This episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry is brought to you by Densdeck Roof Boards. Welcome to Stories of an Extraordinary Industry podcast, a production of the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. As always, our goal is you would be proud of the great things being done in the roofing industry, and you might learn something along the way. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you like what you hear, give the podcast a thumbs up and a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. You have likely heard the saying that with great risk comes great reward. And while that is an easy phrase to say, the action of it is not quite as easy. Taking risk in business can pay off, but it can also pull you under drastically. Knowing when to take risk and how to protect yourself ahead of a risk are keys to landing some really cool jobs. Our guests today are two people who know all about this. They run one of the most unique businesses within the roofing industry and are privy to some of the most historical jobs of all time. When speaking with them about some cool work they have done, their resounding message that the awesome jobs are much more satisfying when you know your company and workers are being taken care of in the process. Let's take a ride and explore some of the coolest slate and copper projects you may ever hear about. Established in 1986, the Durable Slate Company is an award-winning slate and historical company. They do complicated, high-profile jobs. When we wanted to learn more about two particular jobs that had some government ties, we got to hear about two foreign countries who have entrusted their architectural dreams to this astounding slate company located in Ohio. So I'm John Chan. I'm with a durable slate company and durable restoration company. We're headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, and we do slate, clay tile, and copper roofing all over the U.S. and sometimes even abroad. We get to do some really unusual projects, and it comes from projects that we've done in the past. So, you know, you you do a project and somebody says, oh, wow, they can do this. And and it kind of grows from there. So I think one of the interesting jobs that we did right off the bat was a slate steeple with copper ornaments all over it. It was 197 feet tall and it was right there in Columbus, Ohio. So when we were first asked to do it, we were racking our brain about, you know, how to set it up and all these different things. And I thought we came up with a great plan and the church did too. So we were actually the high bid of all the different bidders, but they liked what we had to say and how we were gonna attack the job and make sure that the job was safe. You know, it was 197 foot steeple, but it was right next door to a Catholic school. So kids are going in and out. There's a playground there and they loved how we were responsive on the safety aspect and how we're going to make sure that slates never came out of that steeple. And that was the horror that they had in the beginning, that slates and pieces of copper were being blown off the roof. They wanted to make sure that whoever did the job was going to do it without having any kind of possible 
backlash. So that's how we got that job. And as time went on, when we did each one of these jobs, it kind of got our name out there. And I remember I asked a customer one time how they got our name. And he kind of chuckled and he said, well, you're from your competition. You heard him. Even their competition knew if you wanted a complicated job done and done well, the Durable Slate Company was the company to call. And as you heard John describe, their previous work is the best salesman they have ever had. When they do a job well and meticulously beautiful, other people notice and want the same service replicated. This was the case when they landed a consulting job on the Red House, which is the Parliament building on the island of Trinidad. It was built in 1907, but in 1990, there was a failed coup attempt. And basically, this radical group came in and blew everything up, shot up the Red House, lit it on fire. At the end of the day, I think uh, 24 people died and the building was in ruins. It was just like burnt, riddled full of bullet holes. And just through the 90s, they hired various contractors to redo it. And every time they just had one problem after another. And I want to say it was maybe in the late 90s, they contacted us and uh, they, they had somebody put on this Chinese slate roof that failed. And it was so bad that what they finally did was they put an entire building or canopy over the entire building. They, they built this big red metal building. I mean, it was huge. You have to understand how big the red house was, you know, like 600 squares of roofing. And then they brought me in, in in 2017 as a consultant. They'd somehow heard about what we did in Peru. We did a project in, in Lima, Peru. And they were thinking, well, if an American company can come and do a project in Peru, maybe they can come to Trinidad. As John mentioned, the government in Trinidad had heard about some of the work they did in Peru. When I talked with John's COO, Gary, he remembered how Trinidad had heard about Durable Slate. Well, my name is Gary Howes. I work for the Durable Slate Company. I've been with the company 33 years. I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio, but I am the uh, essentially the, the guy that runs the company. So I'm all over the country doing things all the time. The general contractor for the Red House had to break the project down into parts, right? Specialty parts. And they found a contractor to do the roofing part, but he was not a roofer, he's a contractor. So that contractor was responsible for finding a roofing contractor to do the work. So you know, we're on an island where there's a limited amount of roofing contractors and they found the one that had some experience with slate. So there is some slate on the island outside of the Red House. This island was once part of the British empire, you know, a long time ago, and probably a hundred years or more. So it has a great deal of British influence. And so there are some Victorian style houses on the, on the island and most of those have slate roofs. So there's a, a guy or two that does some of that maintenance work. So they went to him naturally. And he's like, yeah, this is way too big for me. I, I can't, I can begin to handle this project. And they said, well, who do we, who do we call? What, what, what do you give us as advice? And he says, well, there's this company in the United States, and he, he was pointing towards us. I'm a chairman for the Slate Roofing Contractors Association, and John was, at the time, president of the National Slate Roofing Association. So we're both pretty visible, right? If you're in the slate business, both of us are kind of visible in that group. So he knew of us from that, and he also, I think, 
had somehow or another seen the articles or whatever written about the fact that we had done this project in Peru. There would be many challenges ahead, but John and Gary saw a worthwhile job if they could work out all of the hurdles. The hurdles would come not just in the contractual process, but with the workforce they would have to get the job done. The economies in different places are so different. So in Trinidad, when they saw that, they said, well, you know, we want you to train our guys then. I said, so let's take a look at this. So they took us around and they showed us all these new slate roofs that their slate roofing company did. And <laughs> every single roof had at least 50 slates missing. Some of them had hundreds of slate missing on roofs that were like one, two, three, four, five years old. And I said, they don't know how to nail. You know, they're over nailing the slates or they're under nailing the slates and they're breaking, they're falling out. I said, but it does look like they know how to lay a roof out. I said, so I think what we want to do is we want to go to a hook system. If we use battens and we hook the entire roof, your guys won't be nailing anything and they won't over and under nail everything. So I think if we can take that off of our chest, we can concentrate on the copper. If we go to the copper, what we wanna do is we wanna set up training to where guys can do all the basics. You know, they can do the open field of the standing seam. We can teach them how to, to solder on the box gutters. And we can show you where to put all the expansion joints and everything like that. But I said, we're gonna have to do all the difficult work you know, the convex tower in the middle. It's convex, but it's also batten seam, and it's got this uh, really big copper gutter around it that's built in. And I said, that's not something that you just train somebody and then they're doing it. The other issue here was that they wanted all of our top guys there. I was saying, well, we don't, we can't really just have all of our top guys and then have their crews at home. So we would just rotate guys in and out, and then we would train their guys kind of like as a conveyor belt kind of a thing. And, you know, one set of guys would be learning how to do the standing seam. Other guys would be learning how to solder. In groups at a time, guys would learn how to do one certain thing. And so that way you weren't trying to teach them all a bunch of different things and then we would get them going and as they were going we would watch over and then we could do the most difficult parts and that's how we made that job work without a lot of labor guys that are in the trades tend to love doing something fun and unique and different and something that makes them special something that makes them stand out this slate and copper job on the Red House would be something the people of Trinidad could look at and admire for 100 to 200 years. Their learned craftsmanship would be there for many generations to see. The Durable Slate Company was giving these craftsmen in Trinidad a gift they could never have imagined. The gift of pride. While there were many moments on this job that would resonate positively for years, this job didn't quite end the way anyone had expected. John's commitment to making sure his contracts are fully read and understood was going to pay off and protect the company in the end. 
got really expensive for us to send our guys. And I think that what happened is towards the end, they were running out of money. And I would say about with 60 or may 90 days left, they told us, we're all good. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> and that was such a huge mistake on their part because at the end, they had a leaky roof. Get this. So they decided to put a skylight into the copper roof afterwards. They cut a hole into it, put the skylight in, and just caulked around it. And so they had this massive leak. It was leaking on the prime minister's head. They sent a video and they said, hey, can you fix this? <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, where did the skylight come from? It was really strange. There's knowing how to do it. There's teaching people how to do it the right way. There's having the right tools, the right materials, and the right know-how. But none of that's worth anything if you don't have integrity in the person doing the work or someone on the project that has enough integrity to see to it that that is carried through. And that, I think, is essentially what happened here. I mean, I, I can't swear to that because I wasn't physically there to see it, but the people that were there had done it right many times over. But without that supervision, without that inspection process and knowing that it was going to be looked at, the integrity of the person that did the work and or the integrity of the person that was overseeing the work was not high enough. It wasn't there. And it resulted in poor workmanship and consequently a leak at the worst place at the worst time. As you can see, the job didn't end as planned. But John had a commitment from the beginning of making sure his company and his workers were taken care of. As Gary mentioned, their integrity was also something to be protected. When all was said and done, they were glad they stuck to their convictions. John's dogmatic approach to contracts and payments has landed them some awesome jobs and helped keep them out of compromising circumstances. Here he gives us an example of how he made sure everyone was taken care of on the Red House job. I think that you've got to be able to learn as you go and make sure that you don't get into any odd situations because it sounded like such a great job, but at every turn, they were trying to spend less money. So on our first trip, I made them pay for every single trip before we arrived. So basically, I would state, this is what we're going to do on this trip. This is what's going to cost. Wire the money. When you wire me the money, we will then schedule the flights and the hotels. We try to be sensitive on price. We try to value engineer where it makes sense, but we never want to get away from who we are and, and what that building deserves. You can take big jobs, risky jobs, international jobs. You really can. But be sure ahead of time that you know what you're getting into. Set your expectations early and often and keep your company's integrity intact. When we come back, we will explore a very unique copper job that you are much more likely to be able to go admire as it sits on our U.S. soil. We will get to that and more in a moment, but first. Your roof job from six months ago is calling, and it's probably not to say thank you. Remember when they said a coverboard didn't matter? 
That's because building owners don't always think about the battering their rooftops may take over a lifetime. Densdeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs like solar panels or HVAC, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Make sure Densdeck roof board doesn't get value engineered out of your next job. You'll strengthen your rooftops and your client relationships. Visit densdeck.com slash stop callbacks for more information. We've been talking to John Chan and Gary Howes of the Durable Slate Company as they recall their unique slate and copper job they did on the Red House on the island of Trinidad. Let's hear from them about another international client. This time, though, let's come back to U.S. soil. So we got a call to do the project in Washington, D.C. at the Norwegian Embassy. What happened was they already had two buildings there, and they're doing an addition in between the two buildings. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to put up this beautiful copper roof as an homage to the country because that's where they mine a, a lot of the copper from yesteryear. From what I'm told, the copper that made the Statue of Liberty came from Norway to France and it was made and then came to the U.S. So they wanted this pre-patinaed copper. It's a convex double-lock standing seam. As most of Durable's jobs are, this was a unique copper job unlike anything they had ever done before or would probably ever do again. The control of how it was being done in the midst of a lot of different contractors was going to be complex. This is once again where John's commitment to a solid contract that covers all his bases would come in handy. There was a tight timeline and a lot of hands in the process that could have ended up causing a financial disaster if Durable did not pay close attention to the details. It was such a tight construction spot because all the building was going on at once. The glass, the electrical, the plumbing, the stonework, the roof, you name it, the interior. And it was a tight spot because it's so small. It's just like this really long gateway in between the two buildings. And where it's located, it's right across the street from the vice president's house. Cell service there was impossible. You literally had to leave the job site, walk about two blocks away to get your cell phone to work. So it was just such a tight spot. The trick with this is that that convex standing seam, all that wood has to be perfect because any imperfections of the wood is going to telegraph right through to the copper and you're going to see imperfections. And when we first got that contract, I was looking at it and I was thinking, we can't sign this contract. And the GCs said, well, you're our guy. I mean, we've been working with you. I said, I know, but we can't sign your contract. You're stating that we're responsible for everything, meaning that we're responsible for the patina, we're responsible for the way it looks, but if your carpenters don't make it exact, it's on us. We had our attorney go back and forth with their attorney. So we carved out the actual copper part where they purchased the copper directly from the person that was making the pre-patina because they had to pass 
and give an okay to the look. And if they didn't accept it and it was in our contract, because there was a $5,000 a day penalty for going over on time. That pre-patina process, in the end, it took eight different applications of different chemicals at different times to create the final look, because it wasn't meant to look all exactly the same. They, they, the architect wanted it to have a little variation. Still wanted that vertigray patina finish, but just like in reality, when copper naturally patinas, it's not always the same color, it's not always the same shade. So they wanted some blend of that. So part of that challenge was creating those individual panels to do that. And then the other challenge was how much of it do you have? How many different variations? And then of course, when you install, it has to be feathered in there. So it looks natural. So each piece was made kind of custom with its color and marked and and we had to put it in the exact location so that it didn't look blotchy. Just making sure the patina was right could have taken a long time and could have wrecked the timeline. This wasn't the only challenge, though. As John mentioned, the framing had to be perfect or else the copper work would fail. So there's a $5,000 a day penalty. And if they rejected the color of the patina, that's on us. If they rejected how there are waves in the copper because of bad wood, that's on us. So we had to change the contract. You know, we held firm and uh, we were ready to walk. And then finally they agreed. So what we did was we took over the contract of putting the wood and the insulation board down. So we knew that we could make that curve perfect. And after we did that, we got the copper on But we did something unique there too, because instead of soldering all the corners and everything, we folded, Uh, they were European folds, so that you don't have solder streaks running down or acid streaks. So everything was double folded and pinched so that you didn't see any of that solder. So that's a very unique job in that there's not a lot of people that can do that. You know, the, the pre-patina that we got from the LSS, the, the folding, the wood, you know, getting all of those kerf cuts. What kerf cuts are is we took the plywood and we put grooves in them every two inches. That way that the plywood would fold gently around that curve. And that way, after we put the underlayment down, it smoothed that kerf cut. So it's just perfect. We don't do a lot of new construction. And on top of that, we don't ever frame. But because our work was going to go right on top of that, because of the location, it's a high-profile location, a high-profile client, it's an embassy, directly across the street from the vice president's house. And the, the roof wasn't just a roof, it's a facade. So it's a very big, important part of what people see and the impression you get of the architect, of the building itself. So this just had to be perfect. And so, yeah, we decided if we're gonna do this kind of project, we had to take responsibility and control every aspect of it that made sense for us to get the right outcome we were envisioning and with the architect envisioned. This was an added feature, it's an added expense to the client because it was an architectural feature, the client fell in love with it, right? So the expectations were pretty high. 
Even with all the challenges of the job, the general contractor was so pleased with Durable Slate that he has since asked to work with them again. And this was not only for their ability to get done on time, but for the quality and sustainability of their work and their welcoming and flexible demeanors on the job. But we're able to get the job done on time. And the general contractor was ecstatic with us because there were so many challenges. I mean, <laughs> I think it was an electrical contractor. They were putting in an electric box and they ran their lift into one of our panels and damaged it. And, you know, there are all these setbacks, but we made it all work out and we got done on time. This was a super tight job site. So you had every trade on the planet and their equipment on this very small job site. So it was, it was very kind of a dog-eat-dog -dog environment to get your spot, to get your materials in or out or get your guys in and out safely having places to put the materials that were convenient because the job site was so busy, so tight. It was just an inherent problem. But of my personality, I ran the job. So my personality is I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that wants to shove somebody else out of the way. I'm very cooperative and very helpful. I'm a Midwest guy, you know, and this is an East coast kind of job sites, Washington, DC. And so I got the reputation of being sort of like the mediator on the job site. You know, we either can negotiate well with the other contractors to keep things moving so we didn't all fight with each other. And it turned out that the, the contractor, Whiting Turner, and the project manager and superintendent really valued that because it made their life easier. The Durable Slate Company is able to give their workers the unique privilege and opportunity to put roofs on that will last for hundreds of years. When this happens, people can admire the work their family did for generations to come. Whether it's a really big, beautiful custom home or it's an old historic church or museum or, or government monument or government building, those are meant to last many, many generations. And so the materials and the workmanship have to be consistent with what was there originally because what was there originally has a proven track record of lasting a very long time. Plus, it's the original architecture and it's the intent of the architect and the owner to have that building look a certain way. We're just stewards. That's how we look at it. We're just stewards at this point. In this time, we carry that original intention forward. So we all can appreciate beautiful buildings. And our kids will be able to appreciate beautiful buildings and our grandkids and so forth. That roof will last 150, 200 years. I mean, the box gutters were 24 ounce uh, copper and the standing seam is all 20 ounce and the standing seam there's no solder joints, everything's folded. Uh, even at the top, we've got a big expansion joint with bread pans, so all that copper is gonna move and nothing's gonna break. You know, there's no solder joints to break. I mean, there's solder joints in the box gutters, but it's got the expansion joints in them. It's 24 ounce copper, probably 150, 200, 250 years. You know, it, it's a long, long time. Most of the time our work is up so high that people don't pay attention to the details. In this case, you can walk up and touch it. The roof all goes all the way to the ground. It starts at the ground and goes up and it curves out and then it curves around. The wonderful thing about this job is that you can go see it. If you happen to be in Washington, D.C. this April for roofing day, which I believe you should be, then you can go visit 2720 34th Street Northwest and see this job for yourself.
And remember, as Gary mentioned, this roof facade cascades down to the ground, so you can even walk up and touch it. As you can tell, the Durable Slate Company is an impressive business. From the types of jobs they do to the way in which they take care of people, their work is incredibly inspiring. This was noticed by the International Federation for the Roofing Trades on the job Durable completed in Iowa. They awarded the Durable Slate Company a Project of the Year award for their ornamental metalwork on a church steeple in Iowa. Most notably, they are the only company in the United States to ever be given this award. They have an awards conference, and the awards conference is, it's kind of like the, kind of like the gold circle. There's the categories are steep slope, low slope, facade. So we won for the metal work. We're the first and only company in the United States to ever win one of these awards from the IFD in its 70 year history. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but the Europeans, especially the Germans, the Swiss, the Austrians, the French, they have this incredibly high standard. This is where craftsmanship was born, right? All these trades were born out of these countries. And so they are just so far advanced from us in, in every way possible. The workmanship, the training program, the apprenticeship programs, the tooling, everything is super like the Mecca for us. And so for, for them to recognize our work and say it was the project of the year or two was beyond gratifying. As John talked early on, his contractual process is what sets them up for success. Taking exciting and high-profile jobs is doable, but you have to do a lot of prep work ahead of time to make sure the job can be successful from beginning to end. What is Gary's advice about jobs like these? Just really understanding what the client's expectations are, I think is super, super fundamentally important to delivering a great project. Because the project's not just a leak-proof roof or done within specifications. Of course, that's a big part of it, but it's not the only thing the client is buying. That's our attitude. They're, they're looking for a partner to do this right, to do it smart. We're the experts, right? I mean, they, most of our clients don't do this every day, we do. They hope that we're gonna give them the best advice and, and find value engineering opportunities, and share those. But the key thing is just understand what the client's expectations are as far as look, aesthetics, cooperation, timing, that kind of thing. We hope this story inspired you to take risks and reap some awesome rewards for those decisions. While Durable Slate's high-profile and historic jobs may not be what your company is designed to do, there may be out-of-the-box jobs that come your way, and we want your company to be ready and make the roofing industry proud. And come visit the Norwegian Embassy and be proud of the great work Durable Slate has accomplished. And there's no better time to come to Washington, D.C. to see it than Roofing Day, where the entire roofing industry gathers together and speaks to our legislation leaders. Your voice for the industry matters. Join us at Roofing Day. Go to nrca.net slash roofing day to learn more. You know, since you're enjoying these great roofing podcasts, there are two others you need to check out. Growing America's Roofing Workforce, hosted by John Esmondshade, and Roofing Road Trips with Heidi Ellsworth. Find these two great roofing podcasts on all the podcast platforms. 
And as we close out this episode, a big thank you to John Chan and Gary Howes for telling your story today. We appreciate all the work that Durable Slate Company is doing to elevate our industry. You are extraordinary roofers. You know, and we could not produce this episode without the help from our sponsor, Densdeck. Go to densdeck.com slash stop callbacks to learn all about how Densdeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs, catastrophic weather events, and fire. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone you know needs to hear it and give it a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. This episode was produced by Crystal Ribble and Alex Wart for the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. And as always, be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry.